Hi everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. Welcome everybody to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast. Today, the latest episode in our weekly update series, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tony D'Onofrio and Tom Meehan, and our our producer, Diego Rodriguez, who's also producing the upcoming LPRC Impact Conference as well, uh, which is going amazingly. Um, what's not going well is my voice. I'm very hoarse. I did have a cold. Um, so what I'm going to do with, with no further ado is turn it over to the expert team. Tony, take it away. Thank you very much, Reed, and I hope you feel better. Uh, first, I want to say really great job at uh, GSX in terms of the panel that we had uh, with uh, Bloomingdale's. Uh, really, really nice job in terms of the, the material that was discussed. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to many more of these. But this week, I want to focus on the just published NRF 2022 uh, Retail Security Survey. And first of all, I really congratulations to NRF, to the Loss Prevention Research Council that participated this year, and to APRIS Retail for publishing a really a nice and new edition in terms of what's happening with retail shrink in the United States. Similar to the last five years, the average shrink rate in 2021 was 1.4%. When taken as a percent of total retail sales in 2021, that shrink equates to an amazing 94 $5 billion in losses, up from $90.8 billion in 2020. While retail shrink encompasses many types of losses, it is primarily driven by external theft, including theft attributed to organized retail crime. In fact, retailers on average saw uh, near a 26.5% increase in ORC incidents in 2021. Beyond the loss of goods, these incidents are increasingly alarming Eight in 10 retailers, I repeat, eight in 10 retailers surveyed report that the violence and aggression associated with organized retail crime incidents increased in the past year. In terms of the size of the retail teams, the majority of respondents uh, said the teams are remaining the same. A relatively large subset of just over 37% of the retailers indicated that the departments are growing while uh, roughly 12% said they are shrinking. Modern loss prevention teams are responsible for securing a variety of facilities and assets. 100% of the respondents reported that they're responsible for physical stores. 85.5% indicated they were responsible for also securing the organization's headquarters. And nearly 84% reported that the LP team uh, was AP team was responsible for securing supply chain facilities. One of the greatest changes in retail over the last 30 years has been the, the shift to e-commerce. Interesting, just over 53% reported that their team is responsible for securing their e-commerce platforms, but only 10%, now roughly 10%, reported that they were responsible for the retail app ecosystem. A really great question that I liked a lot in this edition was for your for your APLP department to become more successful, which of these skills you believe need to be strengthened or further developed? The majority of respondents reported needing greater analytic and investigative skills 
which likely reflects the increasingly important role of business intelligence in the role of loss prevention, as well as retailers' need to investigate organized retail crime. Close to half, uh, roughly 45% of respondents reported that, that their uh, 2022 uh, budgets were increasing compared to the previous year. Most respondents are spending more on technologies or capital equipment, while a sizable minority, uh, minority reported that budgets for guards and other uh, were increasing. On average, participating retailers attributed the greatest portion of shrink, 37%, to external theft, including organized retail crime, followed by employee internal theft uh, and process control failures. Shrink control is only one aspect of loss prevention. Uh, these departments must also act to protect associates, customers, and facilities, and many other types of non-merchandise assets. The majority of respondents report incidents of guest and associate violence, external theft, and organized retail crime. In particular, have become more of a priority compared with five years ago. However, respondents also indicated that other violent threats, such as mass violence, uh, and this was high on nearly uh, 58%, and gun violence have risen in priority in recent years, and gun violence was nearly 53%. Respondents were also asked to list their top three priorities for 2022, and the respondents are categorized as uh, these as offense-oriented, which are things like external theft, internal theft, violence, fraud, organized retail crime, tactic-oriented, which are target hardening, training, education, and investigation, resource-oriented, which are personnel and technology, or operations-oriented, which are operational controls, process, and reporting. A lot of this, we spend a lot of time here at the Loss Prevention Research Council, so if you're not a member, you need to be. Additionally, just uh, nearly 13% of respondents reported that they, ha they have had prosecution thresholds for internal incidents, and just over 29% reported that they have prosecution thresholds for external incidents, while the majority, nearly 71%, reported that they did uh, not have dollar value prosecution thresholds for either internal or external incidents. As retail risk changes, retailers must turn to new strategies and technologies to mitigate those risks. The greatest challenge of participating retailers reported, uh, and, they were and what technologies they're actually applying was very, very interesting this year. Number one is RFID. Number two is artificial intelligence at point of sale and self-checkout, uh, including video analytics. Number three is license plate recognition. And number four is self-service locking cases or lockers. In many ways, these technological changes, and really this is important, um, uh, represent a shift toward more intelligence-based loss prevention practices, as many of the technology provide more data and richer data about offenders and loss prevention events and store. This intelligence is necessary for investigating crimes, but it is also necessary for detecting what problems are occurring and addressing those problems. Again, this is a key focus of the Loss Prevention Research Council. We spend a lot of time at technology and figuring out which ones work best and really driving towards more intelligence 
is one of the key goals of the LPRC. Finally, COVID-19 has had a tremendous implication on the retail risk landscape. Nearly 90% of respondents report that COVID has resulted in an increase of risk of violence within their organization. These echoes early in filing show that, that retailers are increasingly concerned about violence in stores, as well as the safety of their employees. Organized retail crime, again, received a lot of attention uh, uh, this year. The majority of, of participating retailers, 68.5% uh, reported that they did not have an ORC team. In fact, only 31.5% reported that they did, while nearly 53% reported organized retail crime increased, 27.5% had stayed the same, and nearly 20% were not sure. Uh, the majority of participating retailers, uh, just over 81%, reported that ORC offenders are somewhat to much more violent when compared to a year ago. This is concerning since uh, over a third, uh, which is roughly 36%, compared reported that ORC offenders were much more violent when compared with a year ago. Research suggests that the favorite topics, and this is, uh, again, one of my favorite lines, are the ones that are craved. Now, you might be wondering, what, I, what do I mean by craved? The craved is an acronym that stands for conceivable, removable, available, valuable, enjoyable, and disposable. And the report actually has a really nice list of, by retail category, exactly what are the hide items in retail. So. That's just a quick summary of what's in the organized, uh, uh, what's in the Retail Securities Survey published by NRF. But really, congratulations to NRF, to the Loss Prevention Research Council, and to Upriest Retail for publishing this great new edition of the Security Survey for the United States. And with that, let me turn it over to Tom. Well, thank you, Tony. Thank you, Reed. And, uh... Quite a bit going on, uh, you know, since our last podcast, we uh, uh, nearly had a, an extremely large rail strike, which would have really cripple, crippled us. Additionally, uh, we have uh, major weather events occurring, so I know we'll be spinning up the fusion net. But I wanted to, to talk about kind of some cyber incidents, cyber security related topics, because uh, they're hot. And uh, I think it's something that uh, could it, in fact, in, in, uh, impact all of us? Uber has had a, a hacking incident, and I'm uh, a cyber incident. I, I'm resisting using the word breach because I think this is going to turn into more than just what a traditional breach is. And uh, there are a couple of interesting key factors about this attack. Uh, one being that it was perpetrated by a, a an 18 year old teenager. Um, that's not in itself that um, concerning. I think what's really concerning is this was. Of um, not a sophisticated technical attack, but rather a social engineering attack where reports suggest as of today that um, through social engineering, this individual sent text messages to Uber employees and convinced them that he worked for the IT department and was giving a password. So I just want to kind of think through social engineering. And I know in retail, we talk about people calling registers um, and asking to, you know, do test transactions. And so this is something that we face in retail. But I think we 
assume that highly technical individuals wouldn't fall prey to it. And I think this really talks about the importance of education and awareness that an individual was able to tax an Uber employee and have them give credentials, which then allowed them to roam free in the system. Uh, there were a lot of embarrassing screenshots posted. Um, some no, just uh, joking in nature. One was a, a, an actual screenshot of a Slack, a Slack message saying you've been hacked and a lot of people thought it was a joke, didn't really take it seriously. But the overarching comment here was this wasn't someone with a high degree of technical capability. And I'm not, I don't want to minimize their technical capability because that's a, an assumptive statement. But what I, what I can surely say is that their technical capability uh, may have been present, but they didn't use it here to get into the system. Uh, additionally, uh, the same week, the company that makes the very popular game, game Grand Theft Auto had a, a very similar attack, uh, actually probably the exact same methodology uh, according to what we're hearing so far. And that was uh, also perpetrated through a social engineering attack. And there was leaks of what arguably was one of the one of, is arguably one of the more popular video games and leaks of videos of a video the version that's not even going to be released in two years, um, so a, really unfeathered access, if you will, to to these systems. And when you think of the Uber attack, we don't even know what the significance is yet. Um, there is some assumptions to be made about um, hashing and. You know, hashed and encrypted data. So I think at this stage, it's somewhat safe to assume that the credit card data is probably actually uh, safe. So I think uh, when we when we think through that, they're, they're, it's probably encrypted. And when I say probably, I'm resistant to get into too far detail because obviously I don't have any deep, dark details on this um, this whole incident. But it would lead, you know, the, my basic thought would be that you probably have a minimal, uh, actually uh, minimal, if at all, potential for credit card information to be uh, leaked based on kind of what the, the type of occurrence that had that occurred. So um, anecdotally, I think we'd be, uh, probably won't be seeing credit card data, but we don't know what level of data we'll see. Uh, almost all of the screenshots are very embarrassing and really perpetrated to do to show the uh, the, uh, the ability to hack into it. So I, th I think this is um, a trend that we saw many years ago, often that kind of died down and potentially could be resurfacing where people are hacking to show their skill set. Um, I think we will see more to come with this. There's obviously risk in this person bragging about it, getting caught. And I think there's a lot more to come from this. So uh, one thing that really came interest interestingly out of this uh, whole piece is that there was a rash of cybersecurity job posted right after. So uh, one of the indicators of potential uh, cybersecurity issue is jobs that are open. That was one of the things that was uh, communicated via some of the news channels afterwards that there would be a method to track based on job postings. Switching gears a little bit to Russia, Russia issued a veil threat to shoot down um, commercial satellites. I, I think um, 
some of this may be over over portrayed in the news media, but there were comments about commercial satellites being potentially um, shot down, uh, and they they used the word private and commercial and pesky, uh, and they they could become legitimate targets if they were directed uh, against Russia. So it isn't it, it isn't clear that um, they were referring to. Elon Musk's uh, Starlink, but one can draw that conclusion because Starlink was uh, deployed to make sure that the Ukrainians people still had um, access to internet. So while they didn't specifically say that, I think there is something uh, to be said about the kind of insinuation um, that really comes comes through that. Um, I think... Uh, this is going to be something to watch. I think that some of these veil threats, you have to take a, you know, a very uh, sophisticated approach to a threat like this because you don't want to uh, discredit, but you also don't want to overcredit uh, or put too much behind this, these type of threats. So one of the things I often wonder is when you get a threat like this, what does it actually mean? And, and Russia has talked about potentially using nuclear weapons. This one was a little bit more specific um, in what they said. Um, I think that we'll just keep an eye on it and continue to report on it. And then uh, something that I thought was interesting and really important to the group here is California. So Fox News released this, uh, you know, a story uh, this earlier this week that said California County saw a 70% cr um, of criminals that were released on zero bail committed a new crime, says the DA. And I think um, this was a news report, so I'm curious and going to try to find some more information um, to uh, get, you know, get, get uh, a little bit more facts behind it. But we also, it's important to note, so New York, New Jersey have bail reform laws in, in effect, and New York is probably as close to a bail elimination law as you could get. Um, New Jersey is pretty strict as well. And then there are several other states that are going down that path. I think uh, the city of Chicago is going to institute one in the next six months. So it's something certainly um, to look at because um, the previous study stated that there was no direct correlation between bail and uh you know, uh, direct, I'm sorry, apologize. There was no direct correlation between bail and people attending court. Um, that was what really the New York uh, uh, state one cited so often, but they didn't talk about recidivism and likely to repeat. So I think this is a, an interesting thing to watch as we continue to see the trends and the tides changing. And then last, but certainly not least, impacts just a few weeks away. There's still time to register. If you haven't registered already, register will be there. Uh, excited to be there and hope to see everybody there. Uh, with that, I'll turn it back over to Reed. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Diego. And thank you all for listening. Stay in touch, and we hope to see you in Gainesville at 2022 LPRC Impact in two weeks. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast, presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council.